I'm, we're both super into coaching. Like I read up on coaching, like I'm thinking of getting like a certified coaching thing. Awesome. Now I'm 26, right? So I understand that I can't coach everybody right now because I feel like you can only coach based on what you've actually experienced, right? But I know that I've experienced enough to help someone that's in university. For sure. So we started this company to work with students at universities for tailored coaching, everything from helping them game plan, you know, discover what they want to do in their in their career out of school. So we take people at the infancy stage there. We take people who kind of have an idea of what they want to do, but don't know how to get there. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really, really excited about bringing um, a young, young leader onto the program, Tarek Ali. He's uh, just four years out of school, so not that long since he's been involved in the Student Works Management Program. You just won't believe it when you listen. He's just so wise beyond his years. Um, you know, clearly when you you know hear him, very, very intelligent. He only spent one year in the program just because he needed to jump in. He was only in his second year. He needed to jump into an internship program in his third year. He's been at, at Accenture, so an Accenture consultant for the last four years. But one of the neat things that he, he's done is he's developed with his partner, Brian, uh, a coaching program where he provides ongoing academic and career-centered performance and con consulting company, which is so great. And you can just see how that giving away to others and that helping coach others, it's made such a difference on his career, on his life, and his future. You're going to love this interview. Please listen to the entire, entire one. Just a really, really an amazing young man. And um, you know what I'm up to? We have just had our best year ever, you know, despite COVID, despite being shut down for six weeks, we are going to grow by 35%, it looks like. We are, have 43 more operators, uh, so we have over 110 operators signed on for next year. We started a recruiting process and a referral pro process for next year. We expect to be able to grow significantly next year. Clients are just very, very excited about Im improving their homes and being about maintaining their homes in this, this time. So we feel very, very blessed about just how our business is being you know positively impacted by by covid so if you know of any young leaders who want to really grow their leadership and really grow into the big future that they want to have and that we so need we need people who are being like Tara who are going and coaching others to go and create great careers we we need others who are going to go have great lives because that's what all of our community needs please out, reach out to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. They could go to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. You could send them this podcast. They could go to studentworks.com. I really appreciate your support and I hope you're loving the show. Thanks so much. Okay, uh, Tarek, uh, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow. Really excited to have you on. Thank you, Chris. It's great being here. It's great reconnecting. And I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Thank you. Oh, well, no, fantastic. No, it's really, it's really awesome. And, and so we'll take you back. I know you're, you know, really a 
recent graduate, you know, sort of one of the younger people on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. And I sought to have yeah. you on, Tarek, because really what you're doing is, is what a lot of uh, the young people in our, our business are interested in. And we'll get to that later. But thinking back before you joined the Student Works Management Program, tell me what you were like. Yeah, you know, I think before, before the program, I know there's always been this sense of ambition. Mm-hmm. There was always a desire to to look back at the. It sounds so funny, but like that I'm thinking about this when I'm 18, 19. But yeah. look back later in my life, you know, when I'm 40, 50, 60, and feel like I I did something productive and that I made the most of my life. But I I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah. Like, how do you materialize that? I felt yeah. that coming into my first year. So I did the program in my second year. Yeah. I know we had a lot of people in our first year, so I had yes. you know a, a year of university, but. Even then, you know, I, I had this this raw kind of desire to make an impact, but didn't really know what the potential avenues could be. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to say that I think back then I was probably less sure of myself. For sure. Uh, I think I was less certain about, you know, kind of who I am and, and what I'm looking for, not only in a career, but a, but a life. Yeah. And I think I was more risk averse. I, oh, I actually sure. think that the the management program was at the time one of the bigger risks I had taken, but looking back, it was, it wasn't really a risk at all because, uh, you know, for me, I, I feel like I benefited so much from the different experiences. So think of myself, maybe as someone that, that felt like I had that potential, but didn't really know where to start. Yeah. And that's where I see myself like at, at age 19 entering this program. I see that as a first big step that I took towards that, that discovery of, okay, you know what, here's what I enjoy. Here's what I can see myself doing. Awesome. Yeah, I know. And I know, um, you know, we only had you for one year and that's disappointing, but I can remember the conversation that we had, you know, was, was you wanted to get into management consulting. And then the opportunity is in that third year, that's where you need to start getting the the co-op job, et cetera. And so it was like, okay, Tarek, go crush it. Um, (laughs) You know, and, and again, you know, it, it, that made the most sense for what you were looking to accomplish, you know? So, but, but if you think about the year that you spent with us, what do you still rely on from the program? Yeah, that, that's, and by the way, a great memory on that conversation because that's exactly <laughs> it. I, mean, I think that the reason for not coming back was so circumstantial. I feel like if I had, uh, if I was there first year, like I wanted to come back and I think yeah. talk more about kind of what I think would have happened in my second year and how, what I would do differently. But, you know, for me, what I rely on still, you know, at Accenture, in consulting, so much of it is relationships. Right. Um, so much of consulting is positioning yourself as a trusted advisor to yeah. clients. And fine, whether we're talking about painting, whether we're mm-hmm. talking about yeah. consulting or anything in between, those relationships, I feel, drive the successful folks so much further because it's such a key component that I feel if you don't understand how important the human to human aspect is, you'll never have that edge, you know? And I think nowadays it's so easy to focus on, you know, the product and the sales strategy and and all the the technical and components that have to be for us to like logically make a sale. But it's like at the end of the day, if you don't have that connection and you can't look someone face to face and and gain that trust, at least in our business, you're not going to get very far. Right. So when I think back to, you know, the upfront steps of, of marketing. Uh, so talking about the program, right? Marketing and getting leads and following up on leads and establishing that trust early, doing what you say you're going to do, following through, negotiating the deals that you really build the trust there. And I, I 
think that experience going through it, you can read it in a book, but until you go through it, you don't really feel how important that is. It's so fun hearing the words that you're using, because one of the words that we train in our sales process is becoming a trusted advisor. So that, yes, you know, I'm 18 or 19 or 20 or 21, but I'm the trusted advisor. Because, yeah. again, you can have, like you said, the special technology or the best paint or, or, or but really, unless they trust you, it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter. Like, that's where yeah. it comes first, isn't it? I couldn't agree more. And, and I think I felt that as I was going through the program. Mm-hmm. But you almost, it's like the, the effect of it is kind of compounding over time, right? Like, yeah. when I look back at it now, like, I realize even more kind of yeah, where that foundation doing. came from, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny. One of the things I, I like draw the line from is, is that if you think about the clients that you would have worked with, and I don't know, obviously, your clients, we have so many of them and so many operators, but so many of them, good chance you easily could meet them in the sales process or in the management consulting process in your business. You know, they could have easily been your clients at Accenture. You know, that's the type of people we work at and, or, you know, that because it's a broad range. And so you're already looking to have, you're already having conversations with people who later on you'll be having conversations with. Right. Yeah. So one of the, one of the clients I had um, during the program after I'd done my co-op job, I actually reached out to him to chat about, you know, banking and consulting and right. kind of different options. And that was a conversation I had, right? Now, did I join the student works program thinking that I might find a guy who might know about that? No, like I didn't know that at the time, yes. right? But, but again, it speaks to some of the things that, that kind of came out of it that were not really anticipated going in. I right. agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I I hear as well, you're you know you're talking about again the four referability habits, doing what you say, finishing what you start, saying please and thank you, and just the impact of that, right? Like because because yeah. you know right now you know again my, my sense of it is is that is that you have to have just such a high focus on integrity and those types of habits to participate in an organization like you're participating. I'd say so, and I think you know when I was recruiting for consulting. And trying to make it into the organization, I don't think I realized at the time how important those things are. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you can get recruited into a company based on your interview skills, your CV, your cover letter, how you position yourself. But once you show up to the job on day one, right, once you're interacting with employees beyond just the recruiting team, employees that you're going to be working with day in and day out, over time, you're building a reputation very quickly, right? In the first month or two, you're building that reputation. And it's not always based on how good your work is, right? For sure. Maybe half of it's based on that, but the other yeah. half is based on, hey, like, what did I think of Tarek when I met him for the first time in the cafeteria? Or, yeah. you know, oh, like Tarek didn't take the time to remember my name, or he did, right? Yeah. So and I think those things add up so quickly. And I think if you kind of start off on the wrong foot it's tough to kind of regain that reputation, right? So I agree 100%. I think you could sneak in maybe without focusing on that and you focus Mm -hmm. on your CV and interviews. But once you're in the workforce, I think it's just so important to focus on those little things that seem minor, but they really add up and make a big impact. They make such an impact. Yeah, like it's, you know, again, it's, I guess, quote unquote, they call it soft skills. 
I did a just recently a webinar for the McGill uh, McGill University, and and it was you know soft skills. <laughs> it's like no, it's really yeah. that's really what it's at, you know. And <laughs> yeah. you know because if you can't do your job right, if you can't do your job, you won't have it right. If you can't do that, whatever it is, like the engineering the consulting work you need, and obviously that's critical. But it's these soft skills that make all the difference. Because how do you feel in deal, dealing with Tara? Right. Like, how do you feel in dealing with Chris? They make me feel this way. They care about me. I could tell because they remembered my name, just like you're sort of saying, you know, Chris, you remember the conversations I have. Yeah, I, that's what I do. I, I just yeah. I'm, I'm very focused on my people. So I remember that because it matters. So, you know, one great program I did is, is if you didn't remember someone's name, you had to say something like I. I don't remember your name. Like, you know, like it just to, to address yeah. them. It's, it's like, it's, it's just like so confrontational for you to go, Oh my God. Oh yeah. I don't care enough to remember your name. Like, that's what you have to say. I didn't care enough to remember your name. Go, wow. That's awesome. But that's, that's, that's awesome. what, that's what jumps out at you. So yeah. <laughs> but that's right. Post student works. What did you get involved with? What sort of path did you take? What other events did you go to, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So, so student works really, Let's back up even a step before I sure. entered school thinking I wanted to be a doctor. Ah. So like that's where we started in first year, right? Biology major, things like that. Figured out early on it wasn't for me, mm -hmm. you know, switched to economics. And that's coincidentally when I came across student works. So it fit that bill of like, okay, I need to get my resume and my experiences tailored to business. Let's do this right. and get that start and test it. Coming out of student works, I knew I wanted to be in business. Mm -hmm. I knew long-term I wanted to start my own company. Right. Maybe this is that risk-averse nature, right? I really didn't want to start a company right away. Right. I knew I wanted to do it, but I wanted to start kind of in more of a corporate setting. Right. I learned a bit about management consulting kind of by fluke through some internet research and through uh, an event at U of T where we literally had someone walk in from a consulting firm and give a 45-minute discussion of, uh, or a talk, like an overview of what their job was, what they did day to day. And it just clicked for me that day. And I'm happy to talk more about kind of how I got to that point and why the click happened and what went into making that click happen. But as soon as I realized that, this was about two months after Student Works, I started doing, you know, volunteer consulting projects through U of T, you know, working on pro bono consulting with different nonprofit organizations to just show, right, that like, not only show that this is what I'm interested in and I have the experience, but also to, to prove to myself yes. that do I really want to do this, right? Yes. Is this really what, where Tarek wants to be? Yeah. That led to that co-op role at Bell between third and fourth year, which was kind of internal consulting. So right. helping Bell with their customer experience, things like that. And then you go into consulting recruiting where you just put all the chips on the table and, and you, you prep and, and you do what you can. And by that point, I had a lot of proof internally that it was a path I wanted to take because of those steps. So let's go back you know, you were talking about that click, you know, so yeah. tell us about that. Tell us about what, what happened for HR. Yeah. Cause it's something that I like, anytime I speak to students who are like confused about careers, mm -hmm. I always tell them this story uh, about kind of how I got to this click, you know, even before student works and during student works, I did this thing one night randomly where I, I took a blank piece of paper and I just started writing in like insane detail, the perfect day, five years from now. Awesome. Okay. I didn't know what the career was going to be like. It, right. it started with like, what time's my alarm going to go off? What color are the walls? Where's my apartment? Like you're basically right. tricking your mind into, you know, forgetting that you're doing an exercise and really getting into the detail. And I started just listing out like, okay, like now, 
you know, I've gone for a run. Okay. Well now I'm, you know, walking down the street. Well, where am I walking? Am I in Toronto? Am I mm-hmm. back home in Vancouver? Right. Am I in Canada? Am I working in business? Well, where am I? Right. And as I did that, it took about three pages. I'm walking through my day. I realized, okay, in my perfect day, I'm giving presentations to clients. Okay. Interesting. I am working with the team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I didn't even know what consulting was, but I had figured out what are the characteristics and the elements of what I want to feel during a day. And so I had that vision ingrained. I didn't know what the job would be, but when you have that vision ingrained, by the time this guy came in and gave a presentation on consulting, everything this guy is saying is matching the blanks in that paper, right? right? So I think it was kind of that introspection and process of trying to really untangle what it is that I'm looking for out of my life you know, a couple of years out of graduation. And that kind of enabled the conditions for something to click when it came in. I don't think I would have had the click that night if I hadn't taken the time to understand myself and what I was looking for, if that makes sense. 100%. And the other piece, not you know, to sort of say is, if you hadn't had such a broad experience at Student Works, meaning I've done marketing, I've done sales, I've done management, I've done leadership, I've, you know, made a net profit and running my business. You know, I know what consumer experience is like. So, you know, because I've had lots of conversations just like you've had on describe what you're doing in 10 years. No, no. What do you like? What do you want to do? What, what don't you like to do? And after doing this, this experience, we're able to really, I want that. I want that. I want that. And, and re- the reality is that's actually how we should create our life is actually jump out and say, I want to do this. And that's how we get a life. Like my life, I'm just so incredibly blessed. I love what I do. I love the vast majority of all my days because I get to do what I want to do. And it's not surprising because I created it a long time ago. I thought this would be great to spend my life doing and I've done it. You know, so it's, so I'm just so happy at such a young age, you've done the same, right? And said that. That's so good to hear too, that, that, you know, that kind of that alignment on, on that being kind of the, the thing we should be striving for. I mean, yeah. I could talk for so long about like, I just feel like there's so many nowadays, like external pressure on like, here's what success looks like. And fine, yes. like when we're at student works on Radic Accenture, yeah, yeah there, there are measures of success that come in terms of financial results. Fine. Yeah. Yes. We strive yeah. for those, mm-hmm. but at a personal level, you know, if you and I were chatting two years ago, I would have said, you know what? I need to be doing a master's degree by 2020 because right. I should. And you'd right. be like, Tariq, why? And I'd be like, I don't know, because I should, right? Yeah. Or yeah. I see students who are like, oh, I have to go into banking. And I'm like, why are you going to banking? They're like, I don't know, but I have to. Yes. Wait, yes. like, is it because you want to? Like, can you define what banking is? Or is it because everyone else is applying for that yes. job and you feel like you're doing something wrong if you don't do it? And like, we could talk about this for hours, but I think it, like, what I want to convey is the earlier we can all kind of realize that, you know what, it, it's, it's our own life and we should define what success is within like some core values, of course. Yeah. I think it's just so much simpler, not easier, but simpler to find that fulfillment if you're looking within and, and defining success for yourself as opposed to letting the external pressures define it for you, if that makes sense. Oh, I think it totally makes sense. And and part of it is is that you will you are much, much more likely to achieve these financial goalposts that you want because you're excited. Like I can see you're passionate about consulting because you were actually willing to give your time away for free. Just like for me, I coach all the time. I, yeah. I coach past alumni, call me, ask for feedback, they keep expanding into this, you know, all these sorts of things. And 
I love taking their calls, love supporting them. There's no financial interest. It's just yeah. pure. I love to support. I love to coach. And so it's, it's sort of do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, they say, you know, so, so it's that, that space. And I think it's so easy to get caught, you know, oh, management consultant. Oh, it's really good because of this and this and this, or banking's really good because of this, this, this. So I, I really love, you know, it's, it's the inside out approach is first of all, what you did. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're, you're, I'm, I'm researching jobs. I'm, how do I get into a really great consulting firm? So that's where we are on your path. That's where we're at in my path. Before we do that, or because this yeah. might be involved, co-founder and chair of Essence. What is that? And what did that do? Essence was part of this whole thing where my co-founder and I, we worked together at, you know, the Model UN conference at U of T. Mm-hmm. And looking back after we graduated, we both had the inside out approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. We saw a lot of kids who weren't taking the inside out approach. Okay. We're getting sucked into the pressure, everything we just talked about. Right. And we wanted to find a way to, to kind of give back. I'm, we're both super into coaching. Like I read up on coaching. Like I'm thinking of getting like a certified coaching thing. Awesome. Now I'm 26, right? So I understand that I can't coach everybody right now because I feel like you can only coach based on what you've actually experienced, right? But I know that I've experienced enough to help someone that's in university. Sure. So we started this company to work with students at universities for tailored coaching, everything from helping them game plan, you know, discover what they want to do in their in their career out of school. So we take people at the infancy stage there. We take people who kind of have an idea of what they want to do, but don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And then we have folks who like, they're like, Tarek, I know what I want to do. Here's when recruiting is like, I need help just like getting through this, like mentally, emotionally, and also the mechanics of uh, the process. So that's our way of kind of giving back. It's kind of a, a coaching thing we're doing on the side. And I'm just super excited to have that grow as we grow and be able to give back even more based on what Brian and I kind of experience as co-founders. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Well, that is so fantastic. It's a passion thing on the side. I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, yeah. I just, I just love it. Like one of the things, and I hope people know this, but just to highlight this for our leaders, coaching is the biggest hack in the world. Okay. That if you look at the growth of coaching over the last number of decades, it's booming and booming out of control. There's not a fortune 500 CEO doesn't have a coach. There's fortune, Mm -hmm. all, all sorts of fortune 500 execs have coaches, you know, like we, all of our operators have coaches, our, our district managers have coaches. Like, you know, it's like, you know, and then you look at LeBron James, he has coaches, you know, everybody, you know, it's like, and unfortunately it's making our world more and more unequal. Okay. And that's a separate issue. It's one of the reasons that's, that's driving this polarity where some people are just getting these fundamentally incredibly great results. And so again, I, I think Tarek, as you know, my, my solution around all that is, is just help people get fundamentally incredible results. I don't know yeah. how to fix the, the other problems in the world. So I'm focused on that, but I just love what you're doing is again, you're going out and just coaching for free and coaching as a, as a, as a passion project. And again, yeah. I'm sure that'll turn into things. It'll turn into success in your career and your life, feeling great. How many hours a week do you spend doing that? Or what's, what's your commitment for Brian and yourself? It fluctuates. I mean, we have times where we're looking at making big website updates and then working on just kind of infrastructure. You could end up at, you know, upwards of 10, 15 a week. 
outside the full-time role. Awesome. Uh, there's times where if we have a few clients at a time, you could be upwards of 20 if we're, we're working on clients at the same time. And then sometimes like, and, and what I'm not afraid of is sometimes it's two hours a week and that's yeah. okay. Right. Yeah. I, I think I try to make sure that there's no judgment that comes in, in terms of, ah, like we've only done two hours this week. That means that it's a failed week. No. Right. Yeah. Like I'm getting better at, at, at not going down that path. Right. So uh, it can vary, but, but again, it's something that who knows what it turns into. Right. But it's well, something that uh, I get a lot of joy out of, out of helping. Well, it's wonderful, Tarek. And, and I, you know, if anyone has it, you know, leaders, you know, listening, it's being a management consultant is such an incredible commitment, you know, of time and energy. So to sort of add on to what that is, and then somebody who's saying, I'm putting somewhere between 20 and two hours a week into an extra activity, I think it's fantastic. So well done. So how did you see your and what you've seen, again, helping coach other Students, so so this is perfect. You know, you're you're someone who obviously has gone through the process, and then also helping coach others. What do you see? Uh, I mean, yeah, we I see a lot of things that make me sad sometimes because right. I see I see a lot of students who open up and basically say, like on day one, I don't think I'm good enough to get this job or any job, whether it's okay. consulting or or a job yeah. in a startup or if they want to apply for a master's program. And that's a big barrier that I think all the pressures we talked about in terms of, you know, external definitions of success, peer pressure, you know, looking at people who you think are ahead of you, but you don't know what their story is, right? And maybe they are ahead of you by your metric, but that's okay because that shows that you can get there too. Yeah. We see a lot of that, you know, dejection, like on day one, on day one, and we're like, oh, wow, like, okay, well, let, let's talk about this, right? Where's Where is this coming from? Yeah. So you know, we really try and work on that and try and reframe kind of how these kids are thinking about this recruiting process because they're 22. I was like this too, like they're 22. They think the world's going to end if they don't get that dream job. Right. Mm -hmm. I fell into a trap too at times. I'm I'm happy to admit that, but looking back, you know, we really try and and, and get kids to step out of that and view this as one step in a long journey. So that's kind of the more of the mental stuff that we, that we see. And before you jump on, I just want to reiterate how important this mental stuff is, right? Like if we believe we can do something, if we believe we can't do something, we're right, right? Like that's just, that's yeah. just so powerful. Like it's, you know, again, my story, I don't know if I'm right or not, Tarek, is I believe everybody doesn't feel worthy, doesn't feel like they're enough. Like that's mm-hmm. the human condition. And if they don't, they just haven't discovered it yet, okay? Um, so it's just like, that's the human condition. Underneath it all, we're really hard on ourselves. We know our biggest flaws. We know our, our mistakes, our errors. And, and so, so often we'll find other people and they look better. They're, they seem smarter. They seem more confident, right? It's like looking at somebody's outside Instagram uh, profile versus our yeah. inside worst days when we're a mess. Right. Yeah, you're looking at the highlight reel of someone else and you're comparing it to your entire ups and downs. Right. And that's, yes. you're yeah. always going to lose that battle in your head. Yeah. So, you know, we see that a lot. And from the actual mechanics, I see a lot of kids that are, that are unprepared. Right. I, mm-hmm. I see a lot of kids that let that mental thing get in the way of their preparation. And mm-hmm. I think there's basic things like, you know, networking. Yeah. I hate that word, but networking. Right. Networking to me is really just putting yourself out there making friends, being genuine and making relationships. That's it. I think it's a, it can be construed into a very kind of slimy word. 100%. It's, it's not yeah. networking. It's how can we help someone? 
right? Because yeah. I can tell that's what networking is for you. Look, you're actually going out and helping people, right? So I can see that that that's what it is for you, right? And again, it's how can I be of service? And I know the more I give, the more I'm going to get. And there's mm-hmm. a there's a circle happening. I'm actually doing a call later on this afternoon. Someone I hadn't spoken with in a decade or a decade and a half. She goes, "Oh, you used to work in this space. Could you come help me?" Absolutely. You know, and and do I see anything coming back? No. <laughs> Why wouldn't I help yeah. though? She's yeah, wonderful, exactly. and and she's an incredible leader, and and it'll be great to connect. And and just you know, again, it's one of those things as well as I always make up a if I don't say yes to those things then how could I expect other people to say yes when I'm looking for something? And that's all it is. It's just connecting the world, right? Is networking. That's exactly it. I think the awkward spot that, that these students are in is that it's clear to the whole world that they're the ones looking for the job, right? So it gets a little more awkward, but it's mm-hmm. so in their heads, it's so clear that it's a one-way thing. Like, hey, like I'm going to try and meet two or three people from this firm before I apply so that they know who I am when I apply, right? So I'd say mechanically, you're looking at a few different things, right? You want to make sure that any firm you're applying to, any company you're applying to, yeah. have a couple of people in there that are advocates for you. And that's yeah. done through reaching out. That's done through Zoom calls like this now in the COVID pandemic yeah. area. Traditionally, that's done through just meeting up for a coffee. Maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't, right? That's part one. Yeah. I don't think enough kids do research on how to build a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. There's millions of the profiles out there. You can find the best ones and then easily tailor yours to them. You know, messy CVs or messy cover letters, right? These are all things that that effort can really fix. And I think staying on top of that is really important. And then the final thing when it comes to interviews, I'd say just know your story, right? Know yourself. I think it's hard to communicate anything in an interview if you yourself are unsure of you know, your own experiences and, and, and why you want to be at that company, why you want to be in consulting, banking, startup, whatever. If you don't know yourself enough, like, how, Chris, how am I going to tell you about my life yeah. and what I went through if I don't take the time to really sit in that not prep the night before, but sit in that for a few days and really think back, right? Like we're talking about student works. That was four years ago for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had to sit on this for days, right? And really put myself back in there. If I just prepped last night and mm-hmm. say this was an interview, yeah. I don't think we'd be getting the level of detail that we're going into right now because I wouldn't really remember. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so a bunch of things that really pop while you were talking about it. W- one of them is, is you know, prepping for an interview, it's like, I have a banquet speech to do and it, it gets done over a month. It's done over a month. Like, like thinking about what has this season been for us? And, you know, and I just kind of marinate, resonate in it. You're like, what's, what's happening? How's this feeling? You know? And, and I can do it internally. Cause I've, I've been I've thousands and thousands of, of hours speaking publicly, but you know, if I'm a young person, I'm going, let's role play Tara ask me this, let's role play. I'll ask you that. Like, like, you know, so it's, it's just practice. And, and I know my kids, when they've uh, looked for jobs, they've, they've come to me and said, Hey, can we role play? And absolutely. Okay. Here, let's, let's role play back and forth. And, and, and again, practice. And I know they're role playing with other people. I know uh, my son, Cole, he's, he's, he had a job at Carpedia coming out of uh, Ivy and he, I, I met the head of HR at a function EY was putting on, we both were being nominated for an award and they, they, she, she came up to me. She said, Oh, I, you know, I go Cole Thompson, Chris Thompson. I figured it must be. Yeah. I go, yes, yes. We're connected. And and she said, cool. She goes, he had connected with 11 of our consultants of a hundred person firm or something like that. And they had all called me and said, Oh, we'd love to work with this guy. He's great. 
So, and one of the other things, the other thing I wanted to sort of put in everyone's ear is you think your needs are really clear. You want to work with them. Do you know what else is clear? Carpedia, Accenture, McKinsey want the best people in the world to come work with them. So, you know, you don't think like our company, we're constantly looking for amazing people. Like we're looking for more Tarek Ali's always, always. You know, you know? So that's, that's what we're always looking for. So you may think that you're, oh, wow, they just, you know, they're, oh gosh, do I get an opportunity? And of course it's true. Do you get an opportunity? But they're also looking for people like you. Uh, and Chris, like to be able to recognize that, if I think anyone who can recognize that and go into an interview treating it as a conversation, mm-hmm. you immediately break away from all the other kids who like we can tell are just so scared and it's almost like please give me the job right Right. and again right i think sometimes like we talk about all this career advice and how to do it and for someone who's kind of doubting themselves it's scary right i think the first step is to try and gain some perspective on you know what the reality is all these interviews you might not make it through right you might not make it through and that might not have anything to do with you it could be because of covid budget whatever but trying to be okay understanding that this is one step in a long journey, removing all the unnecessary external pressure and just trying to be yourself and give it your best shot. I think if if you can start there, it, the the advice seems less scary because you don't reject it at the door, right? You say, okay, I think I can do this. Okay, Chris, good point. Okay. Let me try that. I'm not too scared to try it. And really realizing that everyone's in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. Even someone like me, someone like you, right? I mean, People might look and say, oh, wow, like Tarek has a job, right? Chris yep. is, is a top coach. I like what you said about how we, we all kind of have that self-doubt. I don't think yeah. anyone fundamentally really knows what they're doing and exactly has everything mapped out. I don't no think one. anyone really does, right? Myself included. Yes, yes. Even, even Bill Gates, Elon Musk, you know, exactly. Like it's, no. not, it's not all apparent to everybody. You know, one of the other pieces I wanted to highlight, it tease out of what you said, uh, Tarek, yeah. is is the concept, there's there's concept attached and committed. Okay, so one of the things uh, Tarek said a number of times is, this is just a long process, a long process to get what you want in your life. You know, long, I've got a long career path. And aren't we lucky, you know, again, the vast majority of people listening to this podcast are Canadians or, you know, America. It, you know, hey, aren't I lucky? This is where I live. So this is, I'm committed to having a great career. And again, if it's not about me too, remember we perform way better when performing for others or we're contributing to others. So, so I'm committed to making a huge contribution in my career. I'm not attached. I'm attached to, I really need a job. I'm attached to, oh, someone please give me a job. It's it, like, it is, I, I want people to really think about the power in being committed and the weakness in being attached. You know, being attached in a relationship, being committed to a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. it's so much more powerful to be committed. I agree hundred percent. And I think that that's where you see kind of like judging something based on the result as opposed to the process that went into it. Yeah. It's so easy to look at, okay, well, because we got the sales result, we did a good job, but you could follow the same process. And if the end result isn't there, does that really mean that, you know, you're a failure. I don't yeah. know, right? I think one of the main changes I've made, Chris, in the past two years is um, really focusing on the process of, okay, yes. here's my goal. Yeah. Here's what the intended result is. Instead of like guessing and hoping that I'm going to get there, what are the 10 steps to get there? 
And if we focus on the 10 steps, one step at a time, yeah. instead of worrying about, to your point, being attached, right? Yeah. So committing to the process instead of being attached to the result, right? If you can do that, I just think you put yourself miles ahead. It's hard to do, right? We're yeah. talking about it now. In practice, it's hard to do, yeah. but it's something I'm continuously trying to get better at. Just like you said, attaching versus committing. Yeah. I agree. And it's focused on the integrity. Here's my plan. I'm going to do, go do my plan. I'm going to go do my plan as well as I can at the end of every step. How did I do, Chris? How, how did I execute? Okay. Here's ways I could have improved. And you're right. At the end, we did absolutely everything we could. And then we want to we lost. Like it's one of the things is one, I think, problem in our culture is, you know, someone loses the NBA championship. Okay. Well, they're losers. Really? <laughs> like, like, no, no, no. Every one of those players are enormous winners to be able to even get there, even to be able to play in the NBA, but to get there. And so it's, it's just such a crazy idea that they're losers. They lost the game. They did not win the championship. And yes, it's all about you know, trying to win the championship. It's all about, it's all about committing to win the championship. And, you know, in business, it actually works the same way. You know, you know, Accenture goes out and tries to win a whole bunch of projects. And I know they don't win them all, even though they're Accenture. So, um, so, so, um, you know, I go, I imagine they win them all. No, 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 they don't win them all because there's other amazing companies too that compete against them. And so it's all about what percentage can we win? What percentage of really great ones can we win? Same thing in the, in the uh, student works management program and the two businesses we run. Can I say what my regret was maybe in my, my year in student works painting? is I think you guys had me during a year where I think I was attached to results, to be honest ah, with you. Okay. I think I was, yeah. And I'm, I'm fully open saying that, right? And I think yeah. if I'd come back for a second year, that would have been one of my, my changes. I think that, you know, I was very focused on, okay, what are the sales numbers for me, right? How many leads did I get? And I think what happened as I reflect on that year is, is I think I put so much energy into not only you know, trying for the results, but also reacting to results. Ah. I think over time it, it began to interfere with me really maintaining the the emphasis on the process. Yeah. Right. The process that yourself and and the program and, and Fraser were were kind of coaching on, I found myself at times like a little, you know, down about, oh man, like I haven't had a couple of good weeks, right? Yeah. And then I have a great week and I'm I'm back up again, but I'm riding the Way the waves. as opposed to being even keeled, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's such a big learning coming out of it was I don't think I did a good enough job focusing on the process and mm-hmm. trusting that you know if we do these ten things, the results are going to come or they're not. But we need to get there the right way, right? As opposed yeah. to you know attaching everything on on the results. So I'd say like tying it back to student works and then back to maybe one thing that, that I would change in a in a second year. Yeah, I think I would definitely change kind of my approach towards a couple of key things um, in a second year in the program. And Tarek, you know, one of the things that we, you know, are so such believers in is we see this program as a multi-year program because of all the the learning. And really what that learning is, is about Tarek, right? That's learning about yourself, you reflecting on the program, reflecting on you. And yes, you know, Tarek would have had coaching around that. But it's then after the fact going, yeah, that's really what I was falling into. I was allowing my emotions to go up and down with my results, you know, rather than, you know, it's kind of not getting too high, not getting too low, right? 
It's like, you know, having a really great week. Okay. What am I going to do this week? You know, the, what, what do people do when they have a great week? They get complacent. That's what humans do. (laughs) You know, like, like, it's funny. Like, you know, what do people do? They, they, uh, let's go celebrate, have a big dinner, drink lots, eat lots of dessert. Okay. Get fat. Right. Like literally that's what people do. Right. So it's, it's kind of ingrained instead of, Oh no, let's go to the gym. Let's get fit. Let's, you know, so it's, it's, you know, let's double down on role playing. That's not what people do. And not saying, by the way, like it's good to go for dinner and I love going for nice dinners, <laughs> you know, everything. So just so everyone knows, yeah, you know, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is it's just like, that was the result that week. Okay. You know, and, and just, just like, okay, what am I going to do next week? Let's, let's get to work. Right. And stay at, stay at work in the process. Right. hundred percent. Well, that's great. So you've now been at Accenture, I guess, for four years. So why don't you tell us about, about the organization or what, what, what you can and the experience and, and what it's been for you? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, again, you know, I, I entered consulting knowing what I was getting into because mm-hmm. of the kind of the nonprofit experience going into it. So to an extent, I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to get into. It's going to be four years coming up like next week, pretty much, okay, which right. is like insane to think about how time flies by. I think what I've really enjoyed about consulting is the fact that I could not tell you right now what next week will look like, right? So one of the things I loved about Student Works was that I couldn't really tell you what's going to happen next week, which right. sounds chaotic, but it's not chaotic to me. It's more about kind of the the variability, right? You know, it, it's it, it not being mundane. So I love the fact that, you know, every project, I feel like my job is changing, right? I have to learn. I love the fact that, you know, I'm on the hook for maintaining relationships with clients, right? Mm-hmm. And what I like a lot about consulting, at least kind of what I've experienced is your role grows very quickly. Yeah. Uh, over time, right? The things I'm doing now, like managing a team on a on a big project, a year ago, would I have been ready? Maybe not. And a year before that, would I have been ready for what I did last year? Maybe not. So I think what I've really enjoyed is the investment in the growth of people. Fantastic. And really that feeling that that I could ping a managing director or a senior manager for coffee. And even when I was only a few weeks into the firm, no one would ever looked down on me because I was new or because they had 20 more years of experience. It feels very flat as an organization. I promise you, like they're not paying me to say any of this right no. now, this podcast, but <laughs> genuinely what, I, what I've enjoyed yeah. so far, it yeah. comes back to the people, right? It comes back to the people. It comes back to the feeling of, okay, yes, I have this job, but what's the purpose? What's the why behind this job? Mm-hmm. And if that's still aligned with what my why is in my life, which is helping organizations, helping people, right? Being a trusted advisor, as long as that still kind of, you know, aligns, I'm going to really enjoy this role, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's been a lot of different experiences the past four years and, and, and I'm really enjoying it so far. I just love it. One of the, one of the real concepts that we use uh, quite a bit is the whole concept of a comfort zone in our business. And, and, and I can, mm-hmm. I can see that that's exactly what Accenture is doing is they're taking these high charging, high, you know, highly creative, hardworking people, and they're just keeping them right at the edge of their comfort zone. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, just like, and that's where growth happens. Personal growth happens, company growth. And that the whole idea is for people to keep growing and growing and growing and developing. And that I'm, I'm positive that at Accenture, you know, that they're having people leave. Now they're having people leave, not because Accenture is not awesome, but they're having people leave because their companies poach their people. There's mm-hmm. enormous opportunities that the, their people will see and maybe start a new business or, 
you know, become a CEO or a VP or a director of a big company. And so that they're constantly needing to grow their people to fill in as, as these people move on. But I love, I love yeah. as well that these big companies like Accenture, those people leave and they literally become, you know, apostles for Accenture and say, oh yeah, when, you know, we need to hire Accenture to help us with that. Right. You know? So it's, it's kind <laughs> of funny right. how there's this, this fit, right? Between their, their people. That's right. No, a hundred percent. I agree. I, I love that comfort zone analogy. Mm -hmm. it, it's one of the things, like I said, that student works showed me that I enjoy being on that edge of the comfort zone, right? Right. You know, at student works, there's that ownership. I had the ability to really define kind of what I wanted the business to look like. I had to be accountable and, and going Look, just because I'm not in, in painting right now, just because I'm not running a business, let's not pretend that this has nothing to do with student works, right? There's a lot of elements from that year that, you know, come back right now, like we talked about, right? With managing clients and, and with, you know, understanding myself and what pace I like to work at. Mm -hmm. A lot of it ties back to that, right? So right. I, mean, I think one thing I'd want to convey is like, you know, if you're a student and, and if you're in the program right now, now, when you're thinking about, you know, how does this program tie to what I want to be doing five, 10 years from now, right? Uh, student works is a, about a lot more than, than painting, right? It's, right? it's really not about that. It's about everything that is beneath that. And those foundations, I think, can, it's taken me in very, you know, different avenues in my life. So, um, yeah, I, I see a lot of tie-ins right now to, to that year. Oh, that's great. That's great. And so as you went from like, you know, a university student now to a full-time value creator, you know, over the last four or five years, <laughs> yeah. what did you need to change about yourself? I think, you know, the, the thing about school is it's easy to have the objective targets and it's easy if you're a perfectionist to kind of fall into a bunch of traps. Right. So, which I did for sure, right. because it was like, okay, like I have a class, there's X number of classes, each class you can get up to an A. Yeah. So there's like a very objective way of being like, okay, like I did well because I got straight A's or whatever, yeah. right? Or I got X GPA. What I had to change coming out of school is understanding that the real world doesn't work like that, right? right. There really isn't any way to be perfect at your job. Like things right. are going to mess up. There's <laughs> going to be client meetings where like, I've had client meetings where like, I have literally stuttered over my sentences and, and left and been like, I have no idea what just happened there. Right. Being comfortable, understanding that, I think the real world is a bit more fluid, uh, dare I say, forgiving mm -hmm. than than school can be. And I think it's to me it was challenging actually learning that because I was striving for what I deemed, you know, perfection. But when you don't find that, you kind of have that inner conflict, right? So for me, I, I really had to, to again that goes back to the whole focusing on the process, right? Not judging the results, but but continuing to put the work in, trusting the process. And once you're out of school, like it, it's, it's your own life. It's harder to compare with other people because everyone's on now like diverging paths yes. in different industries. And yeah. I think it's having the discipline to understand that, okay, you can compare yourself to X, Y, Z, but you're not going to get very far thinking that way because it's apples and oranges, right? Everything yeah. is apples and oranges. Everything. School, yeah. I, I love That's that. Kinda, uh, it's been four years, right? So it, it, it took a little bit of time you know, early on my first yeah. year at that you're kind of learning that, mm -hmm. but I'm really grateful to have had to make that shift in my thinking because I think a lot of people now, older than me, younger than me, whatever, still have that thinking, and I, I always try and 
you know, with the folks we work with, help them uh, deviate from that pattern. And it's funny, you can see, or not funny, it's it's not a surprise at all. You can see how the coaching of others is impacting you, right? All that giving is making a difference for you because you see it so much more clearly because you're seeing you in them, right? You're seeing, oh, they're really attached. Oh, they're so, they're so focused on comparing. Oh, you know, and then you're going, oh, so am I. Oh, so am I. Oh, so am I, right? And you're, you're pulling yeah. it apart. And it is so true that, you know, we can't depend on one other sources. We can't depend on our boss to give us feedback that we're going to be happy with that how are we doing today? Because you're going to get different types of bosses. One of your bosses may just really see feedback as a way of here's constructive feedback for you so that you can get better. And others are coaches. Ada go, Tarek, and here's the constructive feedback. So you're, you know, with that second person, you're going to, oh, I feel full up and wow, I feel, oh, I'm winning because they're telling me I'm winning. The other person you go, oh, they're just telling me all the things I'm not doing right. I'm such a loser. <laughs> No, they're just thinking that they're being a great coach for you and it's their style and it has nothing to do with you because that's how they treat everybody. And it's not bad. They're just trying to do their job really well. Right. And so it's, you know, in the end, we have to be our coach, you know, yeah. and, and even more so, I think in a high performing company like yourself is, is I would imagine that the quality of, of coaching and, uh, feedback in your organization varies differently greatly you know and that yes they're a development organization but it would be very different yeah 100 percent. like i i think there's got to be that accountability on each of us myself included to make sure that i to your point i'm not depending on someone else to you know create my path yes right yes and i think there's got to be that inertia that comes from within and i think you know, consulting really feeds that because, you know, every time there's a new project, like it almost feels like you're kind of, you know, trying to get that project and it feels like a job hunt sometimes, right? Like yeah. in your own company, right? That's how okay. consulting is sometimes. But to your point, it's got to, you got to have that accountability, right? And yeah. I think your teacher in school can tell you how you're doing, right? They actually are telling you how you're doing. That's yeah. how the whole thing works. Uh, it's kind <laughs> of, it's, I don't want to say it's completely flipped when you leave, but I think yeah. there's got to be that ability to, Say okay, I am responsible for my own journey here. Yeah, and and you know I'm responsible for creating this path that I'm going to be happy with at the end of the day. Awesome, awesome. Hey, leaders! I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So what key habits would someone want to steal from you? For me, the thing that's helped me the most is that at least, you know, especially recently, mm -hmm. um, 
there's a lot that goes into making a decision on where I'm going to commit my time. Okay. But once I commit my time, like we're two feet in, right? Right. I think in the past and what I've seen with some students is like, you know, oh, we need to have 15 different extracurriculars or we need to like be kind of great at everything. And then you end up kind of dropping a few things here and there. Definitely. I think for me, like I have a really high threshold when it comes to, okay, like, is this going to be something I'm going to put two feet into? And if so, then we're off to the races, right? Whether that's work, whether that's essence, whether that's uh, applying anywhere, whatever, right? For a board position, whatever it is, right? Right. It's got to be always two feet in and making that commitment and following through. So I think that that's one habit or, or I guess trend or pattern. I think the second thing is the importance of having a routine, especially during COVID. Yes. It's, it's, you see it on every article. It's so cliche when I say that. Um, I think it, it's fascinating how the brain can be tricked into kind of seeing success, right? right. And if you can create something where, okay, you know what? I'm going to wake up between these times, 7 and 7.15. The first thing I'm going to do is go for a run mm-hmm. or go for a walk. Then yep. I'm going to have this breakfast at this time. Automatically, you're ahead of the date. Yeah. And your first hour is defined and it's already a win. And by the time you log in at eight o'clock, you've already had an hour of wins. And I think yeah. that morning routine, you see all great athletes, all great leaders relying on the routine because when it's the worst day, mm-hmm. that's what you have to anchor on to get you through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy having a routine on easy days and, and winning days, but, but when you're really down and it's been the worst day, can you lean on something to get you through? And like we said earlier, right? Not get attached. Yep. Stay committed to the process, yep. stay committed to the routine, right? Yep. And not fall into that trap of of kind of judging the results. So I think just having that routine and really committing, right? And making the people around you feel that you're committing to them. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that I think uh, have helped me a lot. I love that. I love that. The, the routine and it's like, okay, there may be some variable. I'm up late. No, still going to get up still going to do my run or still going to do my meditation or my walk, whatever you personally set up and feel like works. And again, I think, you you know, try, change it, et cetera, but they're just, you know, high performers, you know, I get up, you know, my alarm set at 640 or 655, you know, typically, but I'm up before my alarm every morning. You know, it seems like I sleep a little bit longer on the weekend, but it's, it's just like, okay, got some stuff to do go do this, go do this, set things up. And there's just a power in that, you know, again, before the world starts, you know, getting at you and oh, people need this or whatever, you're already, you're already got your game face on. (laughs) The other habit that's hitting me now, have something that you can rely on to unplug. Okay. Like, I think, you know, maybe that's your routine. Maybe it's not your routine for me. Like golfing is my big thing. Running is my big thing. Like I know for a fact that I can lean on those two things to unplug. And I think, you know, for the folks in student works, like there's going to be days where, you know, things have gone really well. There's going to be days where maybe you thought you'd have two or three sales and you maybe didn't get those sales at the end of the night and it's 10 PM, whatever it is, you know, can you find a way to to take care of yourself and and unplug? Right. Um, And I think having that anchor is something that, all of us should have because especially now working from home, yeah. it's really easy being on your laptop, you know, 12 hours a day. And then before you know it, your brain's fried because you've just been sitting all day. You know? Yeah. 
Well, in the golfing industry is ha- having their best best year ever in decades. So <laughs> and it's been a good year for the industry it's, for it's, sure. It, That's exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> which, is, which is which is wonderful. So um final questions, Tarek. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think of someone that is ready to put in the work and is not afraid of work and has that desire to make an impact. And that can mean a lot of things. But I think, you know, to be a leader, there's got to be that inertia, there's got to be that just desire to influence others and and influence a result. And I think if you have those two things, then, you know, you have leaders in all different industries and and doing a bunch of different things. Like I think beyond that criteria, it's, it's on, you know, the person to, to work on themselves and keep getting better and, and make sure that they're feeding that desire to make an impact. You know, I think the thing that got me to, to, you know, really want to be in student works I didn't know what I wanted to do five years from now, right? That's what I'm right. saying. You don't have to know that to be able to jump into something like this. Um, I think you've just got to be able to commit. You've got to be able to work and you've got to be able to, I think you've just got to have that intrinsic motivation yes. to, to make an impact. And I think if you have those three criteria and you, and you keep working on those criteria, then you're going to get somewhere that you want to be, wherever that is. Yeah. I love your, you know, comments on intrinsic motivation. You know, that, that what's, what drives you? It, it's, you know, it's not doing it for mom or dad, not mm-hmm. doing it for the, you know, to be a star or, or, you know, be a fill in the blank, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's what does Tarek, what does Chris want? Right. And That's just, exactly just, it. you know, and, and, uh, we only have one life. Let's lead it. Um, <laughs> let's lead it powerfully. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, I, I love the conversations I have weekly with our alumni and it's, it's what we're asking people to do is not easy, right? It's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's tough choices. It's tough to sort of tease everything apart, to separate everything. And so what do I recommend? What, what Tarek's doing is go get coaching, go get mentoring, go network, be in mm-hmm. good conversations mm-hmm. with people, right? Hey, what are you learning? What are you doing? You know, go read great books. Right. These are all the things that we talked about in today's uh, podcast. So, you know, Tarek, thanks so much for making an uh, amazing contribution. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. This has been great. And and uh, really glad to see everything that you guys are doing. It's works and uh, so great to catch up. So thank you for the time. It's been, a, it's been a blast. You bet. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.